Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. It's a real gift to be here. It's a real, real honor to be here as well. Um, this God and AA thing has been a really big joy for me since I've come into Alcoholics Anonymous. My sobriety date officially is October 19th, 2000. So it's like, woo, mother loving who? It's been a journey. Um, it's been a journey one day at a time. Uh, you know, in order to stand up here, I have to tell you why, you know, what, what made me come to Alcoholics Anonymous. I certainly didn't come to AA because I was happy, joyous, and free. That's for sure. Um, I came in because I was suffering from this disease, and I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, my sponsor, Snow P., she told me that uh, I have the winning ticket. And that all I needed to do was claim the prize. And I claim the prize every day I show up to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I show up. I am a recovered alcoholic. I am a member in good standing because of all of you. You have made me who I am today. I am what I am because of what you gave to me. Um, and with that, you know, my mom is here tonight. So this is a big blessing. My mom is 80 years old. She has one more year of sobriety than I do. So this is an honor. This is a gift. My brother is here tonight. My brother and I graduated high school together in 1979. Yes, I am 55 years old, people. Feels good. Um, we grew up in a big Irish Catholic family, so I'm Catholic, I'm Irish, and I'm alcoholic, CIA, all the way. But that doesn't necessarily qualify you to be an alcoholic at all. You can still be Catholic and not be an alcoholic. You can still be Irish and not be an alcoholic, <laughs> maybe. Um, but you can be all three and not be in recovery. So I'm blessed to stand here. That I know. That's all God. That's all God. Um, I came here, I, I'll just tell you real quickly that I came here because when I was 12 years old, I went to Catholic school all my life. I was reared as a Catholic. I know all my novenas. I know my rosary. I know my saints. I know my stuff. But, you know, it gets a little confusing because when you think you know all that and you're drinking to whatever, get messed up, you know, a variety of reasons. I went to school one day when I was 12 years old after begging my mother to take me out of Catholic school. I said, Mom, I don't want to go anymore. Jimmy got kicked out, and um, my sister had just graduated. <laughs> i got to bring that up. And so she put me in public school, and I was eighth grade. I was 12 years old, and my second day, in public school. We had half days, so we went to school at 12 o'clock, so that meant we had all morning to do our thing. And I went down to my girlfriend's with my sister, and I don't know if Jimmy was there, I can't remember. Because what happened was we split a bottle of NyQuil. <laughs> yeah, NyQuil people. I see 
NyQuil at Publix, and it looks like a six-pack of beer to me. Okay, that's just what I see because of my experience with NyQuil. So we split this NyQuil. I went to school. Now, this was my very first blackout. Had no idea what happened. I just remember when I came to because there was a man looking at me, and he said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, no. He said, I'm the principal. Nice to meet you, Mr. Principal. He said, you're suspended for a week. You came to school inebriated. Now, I did not know what inebriated was. Come to find out, it means you're drunk. <laughs> so my mother came, picked me up from school, said, Missy, that's a nickname. You're growing up too fast. And that just rocketed me from that day forward into a dimension. Now, nowadays, if you got suspended from school for a week, you'd pro they'd probably send you to rehab, right? Back then, I got suspended for a week, and that was it. But now, they would probably take a closer look at your behavior. So, you know, it's interesting to think that I went to school, I went to school drunk, and I got suspended for one week. Those were my very first consequences. I don't have a really big, long sob story. What I have is that feeling in my stomach that I knew something was wrong with my life. I knew something was wrong, but I could never figure it out. I just wasn't smart enough to figure it out. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what the problem was because my life was masked with a lot of really good things, a lot of good things. From the outside, if you looked at Missy Halpin, she looked like Miss America in my mind. <laughs> I was Miss New Jersey, walking around, strutting my stuff. And it looked really good from the outside. I was class president. I was homecoming queen. I was prom queen. I was captain of the cheerleaders. I was everything. And, man, I rocked with that. I rolled with that. I wore that. But underneath, you know, at the end of the day, at 12 o'clock, it was like pumpkin time. I was at the Shea Paris in Atlantic City with my girlfriends, Dorothy Thaxton, Diana Rodriguez, partying. We used, to par we used to call it partying. Nothing's wrong with a little partying until 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. But I remembered I started to get that feeling, you know, that gut feeling like something was wrong with me, and I didn't know what it was, and I just hated it. I just absolutely hated it. And when I was 25 years old, I lived in South Philly with my brother. I graduated from college, and a neighbor came over, a friend came over, and we started doing um, what you call dry goods, non-approved AA stuff. And that really caused a jam for me. So I immediately went right into a rehab, and I got cured. I graduated. I stayed sober for exactly one year. At, so from 25 to 26, I stayed sober. And I thought that was pretty good. I thought I was doing really good. So with that being said, I went off. I worked at the, in Atlantic City for Merv Griffin at Resorts Casino. Um, I then worked for Harris. And I had this life beyond my dreams. So that's another thing that can go wrong. You know how we say we get restless, irritable, discontent? Um, and everything went bad. We ended up in jail. I never ended up in jail. I never, ever got a ticket, a parking ticket, but I never got a DUI, none of that. And that's one of the worst things that can happen to an alcoholic, nothing, because I got away with my stuff. 
and I kept getting away with my stuff. And then I got married, and it was a big, oh, my God, it was a big, big, big party. It was like, woo-hoo. It was a showdown. It was a hoedown. It was like, woo. I mean, we were just rocking it. And after I got married, I started feeling like I wanted to die, and I could not figure it out. I thought it was my husband's fault. I thought, God, this is what happens when you get married. I should have listened to everybody. And, you know, I kept calling all these priests saying, you know, Father, you know, can you help me? Uh, You know, is there some sort of workshop? Is there something we can do? And I had forgotten all about Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd forgotten about all those meetings that I had gone to. I'd forgotten about that first step. And we celebrated our one-year anniversary, May 15th, 2000, and I wanted to kill myself. I absolutely wanted to go home and take a bottle of pills. And I used to drink and dial. Did you ever drink and dial? Yeah. Hey, how you doing? And I remember thinking, if I do this, I had a daughter, I had a family that loves me, loves me to pieces, and... I thank God I never did that. Um, I took one extra sleeping pill one night, and I came to, and there was an ashtray, and the, the TV had all these lines in it. And I called up my husband's friend, Sean Hanlon, and I said, Sean, I think I need help. And he sent me to Casino Serenity in Pleasantville, New Jersey, and I showed up at that group, and I admitted that I had a problem with alcohol. I admitted, I finally admitted that I needed help. And so then I got hooked up with a group called the Stagecoach Group. It's nicknamed the Rage Coach Group and the Shootout Group. They take no stuff there. And when I went there, you know, they kept telling me, just keep coming back, Missy, just keep coming back, Missy. And I kept coming back. And four months into the deal, my husband said, I want to take you to Italy because I think if you get blessed by Pope John Paul, you'll never drink again. And I was like, woohoo, I am down with the Pope. Down with the Pope. I got the Pope and no dope. So I get to Italy, and as soon as we get on that plane, my husband says to me, now this is personal. He goes, you got bad breath. He goes, you got bad breath. You better drink that Listerine. Now, I heard about Listerine, right? It has alcohol in it. So first thing he said to me, red light went off like, what? Yeah, he wants me to drink Listerine. He knows I've been going to AA. So we get to Italy, and we get to meet the Pope, and I have a picture with the Pope blessing me. And my husband, and I'm standing there, and the Pope looks like he's saying, Jesus Christ, what is she doing? And I'll tell you what, within one hour, I was drunk. Within one hour of getting blessed by the Pope, I was drunk, down for the count. And that night, I remember laying on a park bench in Italy, crying. I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to go home. And... I knew, you know, that, that, that head full of AA and that belly full of booze, like, man, I had just screwed up. And I had heard about spitting in God's face, and I did not want to spit in God's face. And I came back to New Jersey, and I had a sponsor, thank God. And she said, how'd it go? And I said, not good. I drank. And she said, well, do you want to stay sober, Missy? And I said, yes, I do, Pat. She said, well, then you keep going back. 
And I said, I don't want to tell the stagecoach group. Oh my God, I do not want to tell the stagecoach group I picked up a drink. And she said, well, you'll tell them when you're ready. So I went back and I just sat for a week listening. And this guy came up to me about after five days, Russian John. He said, Missy, how was Italy? I said, I was all right. And he said, well, at least you didn't drink. And for the very first time in my life, I could not lie. I could not lie. You know how, you know, you know when an alcoholic's lying, right? Their lips are moving, right? I could not lie for the very first time. And I said, no, I, I did drink, John. And he said, well, it's all right. You're in the right place. And I knew that from then on out, I was going to be in big trouble because I went to that meeting three times a day. I went to the 10 a.m., I went to the 1 p.m., and I went to the 5.30 every day, stagecoach. So the next morning when I showed up, Virgil looked at me. And my mom knows Virgil. He, you do not want to mess with Virgil. He said, you drank? I said, well, yeah, I, I did. He said, why'd you drink? I said, I don't know. He said, where was God? Where was God, Missy? And I said, I don't know, Virgil, but the Pope was there. <laughs> He said, uh-uh. He said, uh-uh. You didn't go to God. You went to that husband of yours. That's where you went. You thought that husband of yours was going to keep you sober, right? You thought Mr. Jim was going to keep you sober? I said, he was threatening to divorce me. <laughs> and he said, uh-uh. We don't drink under any and all circumstances. God could and would if he were sought. You didn't seek God. You sought your husband. No job, no wife, no husband. That's what we go by. We don't drink under any and all circumstances. We put the plug in the jug. So you got to remember, you got to go to God or go to hell. So I said, okay. And, you know, I'm so thankful that Virgil did that, that Virgil was like that fatherly voice that I needed to hear not to pick up that first fatal drink again. Because from there on forward, I was like, I'll be damned. I am going to do this one day at a time. And they told me, you want to do this? You want to do it? You got to hit your knees every morning. You got to hit your knees and you got to say that first step prayer. God help me. That's what you got to do. God help me. God help me. God help me. You better beg God, Missy. So I started begging and I started noticing. I started staying sober. So then I used to go to another little group called good morning ocean city. So I had two home groups, Stagecoach, rage coach, shootout group. We put the plug in the jug. We don't take that first fatal drink. And I have Good Morning Ocean City. And they met at 7.30 in the morning. Because, see, I never got up before double digits. So I wanted to start getting a little discipline. I wanted to start growing. You either grow or you go. So I went to Good Morning Ocean City. And there was a guy that went there. His name was Johnny Mack, Philly guy. And I was telling Lisa, I don't know where Lisa is, but I was telling her the other day, that Johnny Mac would come to this meeting and he would fight with the other lady, Val, and she would make the coffee. And um, he had time. Johnny, Johnny Mac had time. And he came to the meeting one morning. And I've told this many times at the meetings because it, it was such a big help to me. Because my daughter was in sixth grade. So she was, what, 10 years old, 11 years old. And um, Johnny Mac came to this meeting. And I was new 
and he said he's sponsoring a guy in Philly, and the guy in Philly said, uh, Johnny, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do when my daughter gets married? What am I going to do when my daughter graduates? And Johnny said, I looked at him, and I said, don't worry about it, buddy. She's only three years old. <laughs> so, you know, in that moment, I realized that we come to believe in a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity, that there was hope for me. See, there's a principle behind each of these steps that God gives us, and God gave me that hope right then and there, that there was hope for me and my daughter, my baby, right? There was hope. And I was like, man, amen, there's some sanity. Because you know what? I went to a psychiatrist every Friday. I needed all the help I could get. I needed all the help I could get in that Good Morning Ocean City group that met at 7.30 in the morning. And I got there late every day, but, man, I showed up. I was smoking. I was puffing tough, honey, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, driving to the meeting. But that meeting only met Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. There was another group, Trudgers, that I went to. And Trudgers was on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday. So, you know, trudging the road to happy destiny. So that's an ab-seeking group. That's right outside of Atlantic City. So I would go there on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday. And I went there, and guess what they were doing? They were doing a Joe and Charlie big buck. You know Joe and Charlie, right? So I was rocking Joe and Charlie. Who's Joe and Charlie? Well, here you all know Joe and Charlie. So I went to that group, and we're doing Joe and Charlie. And one day they say, well, we're going to do a third step now. I said, a third step? They said, yeah, we're going to abandon ourselves to God. And, you know, every AA group I have ever belonged to is in a church, every one of them. I've never been to another VFW meeting or any other. They're all in churches. And it's just like the way I grew up in the Catholic church. So I'm still going to church. I'm still going to church every day, every day in every way. My life has gotten better and better. And I did that prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will, take away my difficulties that I may better serve thee, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You get it, right? I was turning my thoughts and my actions over to the care of God, a God I didn't really understand, but I knew all the prayers. So now I said, yes, 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 I believe. I want what AA has. Show it to me, people. Show it to me. And, man, after I did that prayer, it said right here, this big book, right? This is a little big book. I got a lot of big books because I use a lot of different big books. But this big book right here, I started to learn. It said, next we launched on a course of vigorous action. And they wanted to know, what do you know? Nothing. Don't ask me nothing. What does launched mean? I don't know. Sounds like rocket it. Yeah. Do you think maybe it means next week or when I'm good and ready? No, it means right now. So you're going to launch on this course of vigorous action. That means you're going to write everything down. And I didn't want nothing to do with it because I was scared. I was scared. I was scared. I was scared. And plus, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out all the lines in the book. Can you imagine? I could not figure that out. I just couldn't. It was above me. But I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn. And God is good. When you are specific with God, when you say, God, 
help me. This is what I need help with. I swear God just gives you exactly what you need. Exactly. When you ask, you will receive. That's my mantra. Ask and you shall receive. So I ask God, show me. And who shows up but a Philly cop? Murph. Murph. Yeah. Good guy. He says, I'll show you. I'll show you how to do the steps. I said, all right. Hi. Show me what you got, Murph. Show me what you got. And he tells a funny story because I went over to his house and we sat down and we did one, two, and three with a group of girls. He said, now probably only one of you will show back up. And that one was me. I showed back up that night and I came in. I had a red, I had a, I came in like Jessica Rabbit. Hey, Murph, we're going to do those steps. <laughs> I don't know what the heck I had on. Some, something red and black. I was rocking it. And his wife, Linda, was there. Thank God he had a wife. And so, um, so he takes me through and he shows me how to do these steps, right? And he says, this is how you do it, Missy. He had showed me vigorous action. You've got to make these lines. You're going to write those resentments down. You're going to find out why you resent. You're going to find out what your character defects are. You're going to find out who you hurt. You're going to write out that six inventory, page 69. Write it all out. Write it all down. And that's what I did. And I went back, and I sat with Murph all night long, all night long. And the next day, I flew to Fort Lauderdale because I go back and forth. And I was at the Victory Group, because that's my home group here, way back when. I went to Victory. I raised my hand. I said, who wants to do step work? Who wants to do step work? Anita raised her hand. I took Anita to Barnes & Noble. We sat down. I showed her what was shown to me. He told me, go home and pray. And it says that in our book, we remain to pray. We remain to pray. If all else fails, you remain to pray. You always go back to prayer. That's my be-all, end-all. I know that I can always go back to prayer whenever I'm suffering. So then I had to look at all those character defects that I had. All the, and, you know, there's a little theme with the jealousy and the greed and the this and the that. And I wanted to turn that over to God. I wanted to say, God, I accepted it. I get who I am. I know who I am today. That's God's grace. And I know that I did a fifth step like, it's like an extension cord from me to God. I know right here, the very first thing I ever learned in Catholic school was Baltimore Catechism, God is love. God is love. So now I know I got God is love because I did a fifth step. So now I got a roto-rooter. I went right to God. I bypassed all other stuff. I went right to God, direct God. So now I'm looking at that six step saying, okay, I got some character defects. Now I'm going to humbly offer myself to God. With humility, please, God, help me. And I know what humility is today. Humility today is to ask God and others for help when I need it. And I ask a lot of people for help because I always need help. We always need help. We're sick people. We're broken in one form or another. We need help. So that humility is the ability to ask God and others for help. And I want to make sure that I constantly do that because then I'm going to God because all of you represent God to me. God is a group of drunks. God is that gift of desperation that I go to AA with every day. Make no mistake about it. I'm still desperate for this. I get good orderly direction right here. Right here. This is my Bible. 
This is the big book, which was created from the good book. So now I do the seventh step, and I'm humbly asking God, please help me, please help me, please help me. I'm always on my knees. Please help me, please help me, please help me. And now i got to make a list of people, and I do not want to do that. And that's that unconditional brotherly love. And thank you, God. So here I am. I'm about nine years sober, and I go to a, a big book called No Balking Big Book Group with Robbie Walker. And it's Friday night, and we're all excited because now we did one year, and Robbie's going to bring in Snow Pay. He says, I'm bringing in this lady from Boca Raton. And I'm like, Boca, Boca, the Boca Babe. And so I was like, I'm going to make her basket. So I, I told us all about so We loved Snow before we even met her because uh, she was sending us all these little things from the big book, like the original, how it works. And we were like a bunch of kids in a candy store. Oh, what did Snow so Did we get a letter from Snow? What did we get from Snow? And so here she was coming to South Jersey. And I remember she had a host. And I made the basket. And she was into coffee. And I got all these Dunkin' Donuts and Wawa. And, you know, it was great. And the day before, my husband says, oh, you got to come to Florida. I was like, oh, my God. He says, yeah, we, we got a big event. You can't, can't stay. So my mom, my sisters went to go see Snow Talk at our one-year anniversary. I did not get to go. I was never so disappointed. All my sponsees went. They were sending me tapes about Snow. I was like, screw Snow. I could care less about Snow. Snow who? Snow. Yeah, Snow this. So God is good. God is good. So this, that was about probably eight years ago. I come back to Florida. I'm going back and forth. I'm in victory, right? And now I'm knitting, right? And at that No Balkan Big Book group, I met a girl named Debbie. And Debbie looked like a runner. I always wanted to run. I always wanted to learn how to run. I kept the sneakers under the bed just in case I wanted to take a run. But, man, I always wanted to be a runner. And this girl, she looked like she ran to the meeting. I went up to her. I said, are you a runner? She goes, yeah. I said, did you run here? She goes, yeah. I said, can you teach me how to run? She goes, yeah. I said, are you a newcomer? She goes, yeah. I said, I'll sponsor you to teach me how to run. She goes, well, this girl, she taught me how to run. I run real slow, but I'm a runner. <laughs> yeah. So I learned how to run in Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, run enough to do triathlons. I did the Philly Half Marathon. I mean, serious. Yeah, I never ran a mile in my life. When I started running with her, she said, uh, we went out for a run. She goes, what do you usually do? I said, oh, I usually walk run. She goes, oh, all right. She goes, all right, well, let's take a run. We took this run, and we got to the stop sign. I started walking. She goes, oh, I keep running. I said, all right. We got to the next stop sign. I started walking. She goes, why are you walking? I said, because I walk run. She goes, what do you want to be, Missy, a walker or a runner? I said, runner. She goes, then keep running. And that's how I learned how to run. So the little girl I sponsored in AA taught me how to run. Then another girl in AA taught me how to knit. So, but I started learning all this stuff in AA, outside stuff, living stuff. Like, I started to learn how to live my life. It was kind of pretty cool. Stagecoach group told me to hire a house cleaner to help me clean, to get it right. They said, you can, you get it, get a little house cleaner, get somebody to help you. You need help. Besides that psychiatrist you got. <laughs> right? You need to keep going to God, Missy. Then I kept going to God, and I kept getting all this help. 
So now here I come back to Fort Lauderdale. I'm knitting, man. I'm making scarves. Mommy got one. <laughs> so I'm making scarves, and I'm in this meeting one day. And, you know, we go around, and the lady says, oh, my name's Snow. I'm an alcoholic. Snow? Hmm. Who's that? So afterwards, I said to her, yeah, I, I know a lady named Snow. It's not a common name, you know. She goes, yeah, I know. And I said, this lady I know, she came to South Jersey to No Bulk and Big Book Group. She goes, yeah, that's me. I go, oh, my God, did you get my basket? I'm the one that made the basket. <laughs> Snow was gracious enough to say, oh, yes, that was the most beautiful basket. So I said to her, I've been looking for a Fort Lauderdale sponsor for 10 years. You're my sponsor. She goes, you got to ask. <laughs> yeah, she sent me right straight. She's from the Bronx or Brooklyn or wherever. I said, will you be my sponsor? She goes, yeah. I was nine and a half years sober. Susie was there. And then 10 years sober. That's a big amount of time, right? I mean, 16 years, 10 years, it's a long time. People like us don't do anything for 10 minutes without giving up, right? I join a gym. I quit. I want my money back. <laughs> That's the kind of person I am. Really? Really? So she goes, we go to Joe's meeting, right? Susie's there. And Snow's going to give me my medallion like she did tonight. And this is the first, yeah, it was the first medallion she ever gave me. And she's got her, she goes, I'm giving you my medallion. Susie goes, that thing's a relic. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, yes. So here I am. I got to make amends. I'm on step nine. So now I got to really put it to the test. And there is one girl. Now, I had done all the amends because now I'm 10 years into it. But there is one girl in AA. I do not want to give her an amends. And she came across my path. And I was upset. I mean, I am not. That girl owes me an apology. Right? We got sober together. Her name was Nancy. Right? So now every time I saw anyone with the name Nancy, I did not like them. <laughs> did not like anyone named Nancy. Don't come near me, Nancy. Fancy Nancy. Yes. I know about you, Nancy. So, man, I, so, you know, I had a problem. Because there were a lot of Nancys in AA. I was like, woo, which Nancy are you? Yeah, I know about you, Nancy. So... This Nancy came up, and I called Snow, and I said, oh, my God. Snow, I'm not giving her an apology. I, she owes me an apology. After what she did, she owes me an apology. Snow said to me, Isabel, all you have to do is pray for the willingness. Right? It really boiled down to one thing. Just pray for the willingness. I was like, oh, man, she let me off the hook. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm so happy with snow. Man, that was easy. And I started praying because we got a little prayer for that too, right? The resentment prayer. They said two weeks. It took me two years. Okay. Susie was with me. We went to Arizona. I stood on the mountain, way up on the mountain. Told it on the mountain. God, I'm giving it to you. I'm up way high, God. I'm giving it to you. I'm going direct. Take this Nancy right out of my life. And do it quick. And so... I'm waiting, you know, two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, God. And I'm praying because now I got willingness. And, you know, I never saw her. Right? But I go to a lot of meetings. You can tell, you know, Trudgers, you know, Good Morning Ocean City, you know, Stagecoach, you know, Victor Eight. So I go to meetings, people. I'm a meeting maker. So now I go to this Thursday night meeting. 
New Jersey show up. It's a big crowd, big crowd like this. And I see this girl across the room, and she sees me, I see her, and she looks nice, and she gives me this big smile, and I think, I think it's Nancy. Oh, my God, is that Nancy? So I smile back. You know, when someone's nice to me, I'm nice to them. But if you cut me, mm mm-mm. So she's nice. I'm thinking, wow, that's nice. So I go over and say, hey, Nancy, how you doing? She goes, good. She goes, can we get together? I said, yeah, sure. She goes, give me a call. And I said, I don't have, I chucked her number out the window. I said, yes, do you mind? Just, I need that number again. So we get together. I meet her in Atlantic City. She moved to Atlantic City. And she said, I just wanted to uh, apologize. And I said, well, it's about time. <laughs> Nancy, I've been praying like a nun. told me I need a willingness. So thank God you smile. And that's all it took was one little smile. That's a God shot. Did you ever have one of them? They're God shots. Is it odd? Is it God? That was a God shot. So I was, man, that's like a weight being lifted off your shoulder. I mean, it was amazing. And now here I stand before you continuing on in this journey. It takes a lot of grit day in, day out. I live with a lot of alcohol. I live with a lot of stuff in my life. It's not easy, and it's not easy really for any of us, I don't think. I think that we all get life every day. Life gets lifey. You know, uh, I forget what it is on page 52. I was asking um, I was asking Heather, yeah, about that the other day, that when life gets lifey, and it says it in the book. Well, let me see, because this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the rubber meets the road. She said... I know exactly what you're talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is what it says. Oh, we were having troubles. Really? This is without alcohol. With personal relationships. Sober. Mm. We couldn't control our emotional natures. Sober? That seems odd. We were prey to misery. Sober? Because that happens, right? And we're sober? So I've got to go to God. Every time something like this happens, every time life shows up and I don't know what to do, I got to look at who I am. You know that song, I don't know if it's by Peter Gabriel, Peter, who are you? Who, 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 who are you? I really want to know. Who the? I said, whoa. Now I know. I got a problem. I have a drinking problem. I had a drinking problem. I got a thinking problem. See page 52? Because it tells me I got to live this life to its fullest. I want to live life to its complete. I want to abandon myself to God. And when I abandon myself to God, that means I'm throwing myself down. I'm throwing myself out there. How do I do that? And then it talks about the prayer meditation, not pills and medication, prayer and meditation. So I know how to pray because I told you I went to Catholic school. I know all my novenas. I know my glory bees. I know. But to really talk to God and then to really listen to God. So I've learned a couple things along the way. One thing that I learned that I really loved was the one-minute meditation. Because I could do a one-minute meditation. I could set that timer for one minute. I want to say more of you, God, less of me. More of you, God, less of me. More of you, God, less of me. I get in the way. But when I'm standing on this... 
This is good stuff. So with that prayer and meditation, then I started to learn because I got into yoga. That was another thing that I learned how to do because I'm a sober woman. I started to learn how to do things, not just running, not just swimming, not just knitting. I started to really learn how to live my life. I got into this yoga and how to do yoga. They, they did the oh, it's like smoking a joint. It's like, whoa, man, that's an ohm. But they, they taught me how to meditate for Susan. We went to this ashram, right? Ashram. <laughs> right? So here we are, 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, doing the ohm, right? 25 minutes. I'd be scratching her back. She'd be scratching me. <laughs> I love it. Jack, but the, the meditation is awesome, but 25 minutes is a little too much for me, <laughs> but I can do, I can do five good and it takes you to another, you know, that seventh dimension, fourth dimension. It's the seven for me. <laughs> It'll take you right out there, right out there people, but it's good. But start with the one minute if you're a newcomer. Okay. So now I'm at this 12 step. Right, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of what? These steps, right? It says, having had a spiritual awakening. That means I woke up. Remember what happened with the principal when I came to, 12 years old? He said, you don't know who I am, right? So now I'm awake. Now I can see clearly. I can see clearly now that the drink is gone. And I'm so happy about that because now I can really do the work. Because once you learn, you teach. If you get, you give. And that's what I was taught. All those little slogans we have, keep coming back, that means keep giving back. Keep giving back of what you have. And I learned so much, so much. I'm so grateful. I gave you a little bit of what happened. One of the big things that happened in my life was I got my family back. So when I say, hi, family, my name's Isabel. I'm an alcoholic. I mean it. I really, really mean that. I've always had my family. My family loves me. I love my family. We are a close-knit Irish Catholic family. My mom's a rock. She's the matriarch. So we got that. And some of you may or may not have that. But when I was 18 years old and I went to college, I got pregnant. First love, first life, you know, all that good stuff. I was in love. Now, I decided to have this child and give this child up for adoption. And that's a big move. You know, everything that we do affects who we are. Every little thing, just like if you get that DUI or you run somebody over tragically, you don't pay your electric bill, you don't get electricity, right? So everything we do has a consequence. And I gave that boy up for adoption. And I remembered I went to church every morning. I thank God I was born the way I was and into the family that I have because I knew to go to God. And I remembered 
at this Catholic college that I went to, this nun, Sister Melissa. And somebody came up one day, and they wanted to humiliate me. They wanted to embarrass me. And they came up in front of a group of people, a group of educators. And they said, Missy, I never see you. You never show up. You're a no-show in the classroom. And Sister Melissa, she looked like the flying nun. Does anybody remember the flying nun? Sally Fields. No, you know, right? So, yeah, she looked like the flying nun. She was a sister of St. Joseph, and she looked at this professor, and she said, I know where she is. She goes to church every day. She's in church every day. So thank God I had the wherewithal to go to church. And I prayed, and I let it go, and I let God. God took that son, and I knew that that son would get life just like we get life, like anybody else. And when I was one year sober, one year sober, and I was doing the step work, and I was trying to do the best I could, um, my good friend was about ready to die, Marilyn Shipley. And Marilyn was like uh, St. Teresa to me. She was like a sponsor before I ever knew a sponsor existed. She was someone that loved me. She was someone that took time with me when I was pregnant. Uh, You know, some people just make you feel like a million bucks. You can't put a price on it. And uh, I got that call. I was married one year. I was going crazy. And uh, I went to go see her through to the final end. And I had a thought. I think I'm going to reach out to Catholic Social Services and try to find my son. I don't know why. I know my mom prayed constantly. Don't you want to see him, Missy? I said, Mom, I just want to let be. But for some reason, I had that thing right there again, that thing. And I called Catholic Social Services, and there was one thing I knew as a mother. I knew that if my son was anything like me, he would look for me. If he was anything like me, he would look. So I called up Catholic Social Services and said, Hi, this is Missy Halpin. My nun's name was Sister Levita, blah, 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 blah. And I'm here, and I'm looking for my son. They said, Well, Lordy, Lordy, your son called here six months ago. I said, well, I'll be, mm-mm-mm-mm. So I knew God was watching. And then I met my son. I flew out to Las Vegas. I met my son. I was sober. I brought him a little book, pictures of myself, pregnant at 18, his dad, his family. I wanted him to know that he was Irish and that he was Catholic. (laughs) That's important to me. (laughs) It's important to me. Um, And he came back to Philadelphia. We had a big party in Jersey. And he's been a part of my life ever since. So for 15 years now, it's such a blessing. It's such a reward to get the family back. I have a daughter. Remember I told you about Johnny Mac? Johnny Mac saying, oh, don't worry about it. Your daughter's only three. Because the guy was all worried. What am I going to do when she gets married? And now my daughter's getting married. I go, oh, my God. That's just God. That's just God. That I could be a sober mom, um, it's just a miracle. 
the miracles in my life are just unbelievable. I mean, even to the point where Mike Chase has asked me many times, Isabel, will you do this step series? And I've said, I'm not here long enough. I don't usually stay long enough. I'm back and forth. And anyone that does stuff with me, I'm always into the literature. New pair of glasses. This is the book that we're studying now. 9.30, Coley Hammock Park tomorrow. Love, 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 Chuck C. We're one of God's kids. So I called him. I said, Mike, hey, it's Iz. What's happening? He goes, oh, my God, what are you doing? I said, I'm here. I'm going to be here for 12 weeks. I'm available. He goes, oh, my God. I need a speaker October 27th. Marion's not going to be here. Can you do it? I said, oh, my God. My sobriety date's October 19th. Yes! God, G-O-D, good orderly direction, right here. I wake up every day. I say, God, help me. My sponsor told me, ask him, Izzy, ask him. What's your job today? What are you supposed to do? You know what? I'm supposed to be of maximum service to God and others. That's my job to be of maximum service to God and others. Now, I got a whole group. You see my people? My people are here. Look next to you. Say hi to everyone. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Murph always told me, look for the one looking down. Look for the person that's new because you know everybody already. You already got friends. They don't have anybody. That's the girl you go up to and shake her hand and say, hey, hey, Nadine. Hey, Heather. How you doing? Where are you? I'm looking for, I know there's new girls. I mean, I just, I want to know, you know, I mean, Tamara, I mean, the list goes on and on. They walk in every day. I don't want to be talking too much to my girls because I know that there's other girls that I got to meet. We want to herd them in. This is a herd. This is a herd. We got to stay in the middle of the herd. I want to keep swimming. I want to do this. So I got to keep my eye on the ball. My eye on the ball is the new girl, maximum service to God and others. But I got so many opportunities. It's beyond belief. I do live with infinite possibilities today. There's nothing I cannot do. It's amazing. I mean, I just never thought I could do anything. You know, I had that inferiority complex with a, what did they say? I don't know how they say it, but you know what I'm talking about. What? Egomaniac with an inferiority complex. <laughs> yeah, that's what I had, people. And um, I came in here and I, I, I always say, you know, you got to chop, chop. You got to chop, chop. I cut, chop wood, carry water. What does that mean? Chop, chop. That's what I said. Chop, chop. Do the work. It's a, an action program. It's a not a sit on your hiney program. It's an action program. You got to learn how to do it. You got to learn how to give it away so that you can keep it. That's the whole point. So you can keep it. And the rewards are just unbelievable. The rewards are just unbelievable. Every New Year's Day, I do this. Take them through the park, sit down, we go through the whole thing so that you can teach other people. I'll give you a copy of it if you show up, if you show up, like Murph said. But, man, it's so awesome to be able to sit down with people and say, this is what I learned. This is how I do it. I have, a, I have, a, I have two sponsors. I still have my sponsor in New Jersey as well because I go back and forth. So I am just surrounded by God's grace. God's grace is getting what I didn't deserve, Right? If I got what I deserved, I, I can't even imagine that. What would that be if I got what I deserved? When I got this medallion, 16 years, I was like, God, God has blessed me completely and totally because 
I abandoned myself to him. I offered myself to him to do with me as thou wilt. He relieved me from the bondage of self so that I could stand here tonight and say, God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.